Welcome to Broken Spines at the End of the World, a podcast where we talk about everything reading and writing related. Today, we're going to recommend some books perfect for the spooky season. Enjoy! Spooky books! Spooky Spooky books! Books that we've actually read and want to recommend to you. We each have four, because we have we to have contain ourselves. Yes, well, not otherwise... Me. Not me, because I don't read a lot of scary books, because I don't like actually, being scared. Actually, I also have, don't have that many spooky books, because um, I don't actually read a lot of horror at all. I've not really I found my way into it, the genre. I don't know if any of mine would be classified as horror. <laughs> I'm actually straight up cheating with one of them, so we'll come to that. Um, we like to bend the rules here. Yeah, mine are. But also, we that... make the rules, so we do what we want. True, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Mine are just books that I found, I don't know, unsettling. Mm hmm. Yeah. That usually does more for me than just graphic horror. I mean, in the end, fear, um, which is a very general term here, Mm -hmm. um, is whatever freaks the shit out of you personally. Yeah. Yeah. Mine are very, (laughs) again, very um, uh, different. (laughs) There's not one. We want to know. So start up. Okay. Um, I'm gonna start with the shortest one and end with the biggest one. Um, my first book is called The Waves by Morton Rue. Oh, I, looked I it up. The Waves. Yeah, I looked it up and it said that it was written by Todd Strasser. Strasser? Um, so I'm not quite sure who Morton Rue is then. I'm confused. <laughs> anyway. Um, I can't tell you, actually. Oh, well, that is an ugly edition. It is super, super I ugly. I used to have this edition as well, because I once read it in English. Um, we did, I, it's like general school reading here. Uh, it's not here. I found, it, I found it in a secondhand bookshop for a euro. <laughs> and well, then that's I was like, wait. with the cover. It's really ugly. But well, the story is amazing. Yeah, it's the words that count. So this is basically a fictionalized retelling based on true events. Mm-hmm. So the story takes place in, I don't know, like 1970 or something, in a high school in California. And. What happens is they talk about the Second World War in history class and the teacher decides to make it a sort of experiment. But the experiment, (laughs) well, it just goes wildly out of control, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So um, suddenly there is this new organization called The Wave and... um, the teacher has changed this class 
into uh, chanting and saluting fanatics. Basically, the premise is that the, the way I remember, right, the premise is that the students think that they are too educated and too far off the Second World War for fascism to mm -hmm. grab yeah, onto a society again. And the yeah. teacher wants to show them that we are never quite that far away from fascism as we yeah. to think. And it is a wild ride. Yeah, the students basically can't understand how anyone would have done the things that were done during the Second World War. They don't understand how normal, I put quotation marks around normal, how everyday, like people who could be your neighbor, how they ended up enabling Hitler and the Nazis to do the things that they did. And the teacher basically shows them that if you have like a charismatic leader and you want to, like people always want to be part of the group, that horrible things can happen. It also shows perfectly what um, group pressure and yeah. fear of being an outcast can do to, to a society. Mm -hmm. It is so well done. Yeah, this book There's... is only oh, 150 pages? pages, not even, mm -hmm. like 146 pages. And there is so much in this. So you follow this one girl who's in this, in this class, I think, and she sees it all just go to shit, basically. Like she, she stands there and she sees everyone around her go with this idea, like run with this idea. And yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it shows how fascism and like the Nazi party came to be, basically, mm -hmm. um, as a schoolroom or classroom experiment. And the fact that it's based on like true events, like, I get That's it. That's the scary bit. I get it. I see how yeah. this is possible. Yeah. The, the scary bit about this book is understanding how easily people can just or situations can spin out of control. And, and how easily we as a society can fall back into um, yeah. those same, not habits, what's the word? Actions, I guess, yeah. and reactions. It's how, how people say, yeah, people, people say... as a group can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a thing that people say that history tends to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we as people who live in 2021 can say that we have learned from the past and things like that are never going to happen again. But you never know, because there are a lot of people out there who still believe in these soft systems. And, you know, all you need is one spark to mm -hmm. light the whole thing on fire again. Mm. And a bit of fear and pressure in whatever situation you're in at the moment for you to just look for an enemy and then grab onto whatever enemy they present you. Yeah. Which is which is frightening. Yeah. There's a movie adaptation. Um I've heard it's a German I haven't, movie. So I haven't seen I've it. I've not watched it yet, but apparently it's not, not all bad. 
I'll um, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> the ever-growing list, ladies and gentlemen. Um. So yeah, we move on to my first book. Yes. If that's all right. Um. And we go from one mob mentality to the next. Actually. Um. One of my absolute favorite. I think it classifies as horror. Um. So one of my absolute favorite horror books is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. It is a creepy little tale of an 18-year-old girl living in a big house on the hill, the castle, uh, with her sister, her cat and her uncle. Is it one uncle, two uncles? I don't remember. Rumors follow them. It's one another. Yeah. Rumors follow them whenever they set foot outside the house because the rest of the family has actually died quite mysteriously not too long ago. And there's speculation throughout the town. The people, uh, the people from the family, like the girl and her sister, they're not welcome in town at all. And she is a very, very special kind of girl. Mm -hmm. So there's a creepy, eerie vibe to her personally, and then to the whole family, to the castle, to the town as a whole and Shirley Jackson has such a creepy way of writing I love her um I fell in love immediately with the book when I started reading and I especially love the way she manages to portray this mob mentality of we are all now doing something that we as separate individuals would never condone mm -hmm. or think of doing by ourselves but because the whole group is doing it suddenly it's fine yeah um and i just i adore the way she portrayed that i read that book too i can't remember i think it was two years ago and i'd never read i never read anything else by her it is very unique um also it was very I've, good it was i've never read i've never read anything like it Thanks. I have read uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which is by her as well, which is quite famous as well because there's now a Netflix mm -hmm. adaptation, which is absolutely different from the book, FYI. Um, I've not watched it because it is on the horror. Well, it is horror. I don't watch a lot of horror. Um, I did read The Haunting of Hill House, which is rather boring, to be honest. Um, but this one was absolutely gorgeous. I have read some short stories by her, which I also adored. And I have some books still on my shelves waiting for me. Mm -hmm. um, but this one is by far my favorite. I would like to reread it at some point, now knowing what actually happened. Like knowing yeah, me too. To, the story. To start, yeah, to, to start see the how she did it. Knowing what twists are to come. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to figure out how she did it because it's so well written and so well structured. Mm -hmm. Like looking at it from a writer's perspective, I am. Mm -hmm. It is yeah, it's quite it's masterfully done. So well done. <laughs> Oh, also picking out these books to to gush about in this episode i was so tempted to put them on my upload gdr like you have no idea <laughs> i understand 
Oh, but that would double my TBR. Yeah. And for those of you who listened to our TBR episode, I already added Coraline out of absolutely <laughs> nowhere. So I shouldn't, but I'm still looking at this book like you and me, baby. We should. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Because I completely forgot about this book until you just mentioned it now. And I was immediately like, oh, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the reaction it does to you. It's, it is just amazing. Yes. Okay, but before we just break off the episode here and start rereading, um, <laughs> let's move on to your book number two. Yes. My second book is The Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham. I have never heard of it. No? Mm-mm. I'd heard about it, can't remember where. Um, I think some people on YouTube that I follow I liked it a lot. Basically, I'd heard really good things about it. Um, in short, there's this guy and he wakes up in hospital. And he's had surgery on his eyes. So there's like cotton and bandages and stuff on his face. Um, and he like calls out to like the nurse to come and like help him. To let them know that he's awake. No one comes. So eventually he takes off the bandages himself, like gets used to the light and stuff again. And he is in like central London. But it's really quiet outside. Oh jokes, I have heard of it. You told me about this. Yeah, and he's like something's wrong. So he ventures out. And what has happened is, um, at night, there has been this comet, or like this beautiful light, and everyone went outside to watch it, because people do that when something pretty is outside, they will go and watch it. Like if you would tell people, oh, there's going to be this um, comet that will go past between like this and that hour, people will go and watch it. It doesn't even have to be pretty, just no. something different and we yeah. go out and go like, what is that? Oh, is it fire? Should I touch it? Yeah, exactly. So what happened is everyone who looks at the lights is now blind. So basically, almost every single person is now blind. Not him, because he was in hospital and couldn't see because of the mm -hmm. eye surgery. So he can now see, but everyone around him is blind. So he goes into London, trying to figure out what he has to do, or what he can do. And um, to top it all off, there are these plants called Triffids um, that started popping up like over the past years. And, you know, they're quite dangerous because they lash out with, like, singers. And, like, they can seriously hurt a person. So they, um, yeah, they, they controlled them like a pest. But they also made whole farms with triffids because they can use them as sort of fuel replacements. And we live in a, you know, capitalist society and people want to earn a lot of money so they have whole farms with these triffids 
but no one to take care of them anymore because everyone's gone blind. So the Triffids break out of the farms and start attacking people and people can't see them coming because they are now blind. Problem. So I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> the true scary bit about this book is not the Triffids because you know, you can defeat a plant. No offense to plants. But, you know, you can defend yourself against this moving, because they do move. Like, they... If you see them coming. Yeah, they wander around. And sometimes they catch people by surprise, even if you can't see. But, like, you know, they're not, like, the scary part. But they do become a serious problem because there's no one to, like, track them or, like, contain them. Yeah, so they become this massive pest overrunning everything. The real scary bit, at least for me, was um, how the society collapsed so easily. And it made me, like, it made my heart clench at times because there are moments when he's walking around London trying to figure out what he's going to do. And there are people panicking. And there's a lot of, like, looting of um, shops and stuff. And I remember there's this one guy that he meets who's blind. And he's clutching, like, a tin of something to his chest thinking that it's like beans, white beans in like tomato sauce. It's not, it's paint. Mm. But like he's so convinced that he has food so he has to protect it at all costs that he just runs off before like the main character can say, dude, that's not food. And then later there's like this group of grown-ups standing around this child who's too young to speak like asking her things because she can still see because she was in bed. Oh, that's terrifying. Uh, it's for the so, girl. Like, oh, it just makes me so uncomfortable. Um, and that's what this book does really well. It makes you so uncomfortable. It really it... shows you though how the world is not accessible for the visually impaired, huh? <laughs> that too. That too. Um, so yeah, I read it like last year in summer, I think. I took it on holiday with me and I finished it like in the car <laughs> while we were driving to our destination. And I just didn't want to stop reading because it was so engrossing. I just wanted to know what was going to happen next. Like, how do you fix something like, like massive like that? Mm-hmm. Um, there's like conspiracy theories and stuff in there too. Like it has a bit of everything, but I really, really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Um, on the cover it says, one of those books that haunts you for the rest of your life. And I have to admit, this is it's one still of haunting you. stay with me. Oh yeah, it's oh, 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 it sounds so, so uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm taking multiple things away from this. First of all, you can read in a car. Impressive. I would puke all over that place. Um, second of all, I really want to read the book now. Because yeah. it, it sounds amazing. And He has more books in the same vein that I haven't read. I've only read this one. 
but I want to read his other books too. Also, I would really hear, uh, I would really like to hear um, a review by a visually impaired person. Mm -hmm. I like their take on it. Maybe that would they, be interesting. Maybe they'll think it's funny, <laughs> like comedy for them. I just, I really want to know. Struggle. Maybe, yeah. Maybe there's one out there. We'll have to look it up. We'll have to Google that because that would be so interesting. Okay, your turn. Um, yeah, to one of the very one of the grossest books I've read. It's a horror manga by Junji Ito. I've talked about him before. He does horror in a very yeah, grotesque, not my, not my visual way. <laughs> um, it it hits some spots for me. Don't don't ask me why. Maybe my therapist can figure that out for me. But <laughs> it really just it hits the spot. And the first book I read by his is The Solving Classroom. I'll show you the cover. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just people uh, melting into puddles. Girl and her brother, and there's people around melting into puddles, and that's basically the story. It's um, these siblings, a uh, little girl that is um, very much creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's this this girl who's very much misbehaved, and her brother, who is the exact opposite. He does everything correctly and. She goes out and scares people, she stalks them, she she assaults them, and he goes after her and he apologizes for her. The scary bit is that whenever these interactions have happened, the people melt into puddles. Okay. And then the kids have to move on to the next place, because wherever they go, the people around them melt. And the girl thinks it's incredibly funny. He is not such a big fan <laughs> of melting people. <laughs> And there's some twists and turns which I will not reveal for those who really actually want to read it. Um, it is absolutely amazing. Is it ever revealed why the people melt into puddles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not that they just do. Yeah. No, I mean they, they just do. There's but, a reason. But they, yeah. Okay. You'll find out if you read it. Yeah, you won't find out. <laughs> you probably won't read it. <laughs> But yeah, the art style is amazing, the the story is grotesque and weird and strange and awesome. And she also drinks the melted people, just FYI. Ugh! Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, you can't see, but I'm, uh, I'm eating She's soup. eating soup, ladies and gentlemen. So thanks for that. You're so welcome. Um, yeah, I have more of his works to read. Um, one of them is on my GDR for this month, so I am excited. I'm glad that you're excited. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, this wagon you're on is awesome, I will not join you. <laughs> nope. Uh, it's not fine. for me. That's fine. We have to read different books, because otherwise we would never have anything to talk about. If we yes, just read the same book. If we had the same opinions as well, that'd be, mm. that'd be very dull. Okay. Um, Fingers crossed that the next book we have is not exactly the same, because that could also... <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, reveal. I'd be very surprised. 
minus the Nickel Boys by mm. Colson Whitehead. I've not um, read it, so <sighs> What can I say about this book? I think it's also based on like true events, or at least inspired by true events, because I know things like this have happened, unfortunately. Um, it's about a school where like delinquent boys are sent to to be re-educated and did <laughs> you just stand up <laughs> my leg really hurts you had like, to stretch because i've been i've been sitting with a cotton film and i have to see my so i like the t-shirt it's cool right what does it say anyway. i'm not saying i'm batman <laughs> oh you're definitely yeah it's I'm not saying I'm not Batman, just saying, you know, you've never seen me and Batman in the same room together. Alright, so the one people. can draw Sorry. their own conclusions from that. Yeah. I'm not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so glad you're gonna edit all of this. Oh, no way. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Absolutely, that is going to be taken out. No, no, you can put I... into the bluetoopers that um... <laughs> the bluetoopers. <laughs> no, I'm talking about this book. Okay, okay, oh, okay. Where were you? Delinquent boys, something, something. Okay. Yeah. So there's um, a juvenile reformatory called the Nickel Academy whose mission statement says it provides physical, intellectual, and moral training so that the delinquent boys in their charge can become honorable and honest men. That sounds like abuse with mm. extra words. Mm. In reality, the Nickel Academy is a grotesque chamber of horrors where the sadistic staff beats and sexually abuses the students, corrupt officials and locals, steal food and supplies. And any boy who resists is likely to disappear out back. Oh, whoa. Yep. This book messed me up because I know that it's real. Mm hmm. And I know that these things happen. And just, it's so sad. And it just broke my heart. It's also very scary because you follow like one or two boys that are in this place and you don't want them to get hurt mm -hmm. but you know that there is almost no way of like avoiding it because the staff is just looking for reasons to beat these boys up. Is it scary? At some points, because like stuff happens and you're living it along with these boys. So yeah, it's scary. It's really scary. Because the things that are done to these boys is just absolutely horrible. Yeah, there's a great twist at the end. That doesn't have anything to do with the scariness of it, but that I thought was really well done. It's amazingly written. It's one of those books that, now that I'm talking about it, I just want to read it again. Um, Are we increasing our GBRs again? No, I can't. I really can't. <laughs> I, I really want to read it again. <laughs> so yeah, if you have been thinking about picking it up, it's a couple years old now. He has a, a new book out 
I think it's like the Harlem Shuffle or something. I have no idea what it's about. But um, like, if you've been thinking about picking the Nickel Boys up, I can only say do it because it's it's an amazing book. So yeah, highly recommend. The next book on my list is actually also one that doesn't qualify as horror, okay. but I picked it because it messed me up severely. And I'm pretty sure you're gonna agree with okay. me. It's a, a monster calls. Oh yeah, I've read it. Ness. If I tell you I sobbed reading mm -hmm. this book, I am not lying. Mm -hmm. Like not a cheeky tear rolling down my face or anything. No, I straight out sobbed reading this book. I understand. Um, I can't remember if I cried reading it, but most. Probably. I mean, it's you, most probably. <laughs> Not, not to judge or anything, but if yeah. I cried, you were probably too. Yeah. Um, a Monster Calls is about a boy called Connor, whose mom is sick. I think it's cancer. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure it's cancer. Um, and it's about how he deals with that, the, the prospect of his mom leaving him, um, of his mom being just a human in the end um it's about love and loss and grief and it rips your heart to shreds it's unbelievable um there's like a magical realism fantasy sort of element to it where his his fear and his grief and his terror shows up in form of this huge monster that keeps on stalking him and he just can't get rid of it and it has it has won like a good dozen prizes i think yeah a lot of them and rightfully rightfully so i remember it being very visually written like i know that there's uh, a copy with illustrations that i just read the normal text mm -hmm. version and there's this one image that I remember. It's like the floorboards, like the wooden floor, starting to move as mm -hmm. the monster comes in and takes mm -hmm. over the room that he's in. I thought that was so brilliantly done because I could really, like, I had no problem in imagining what he was yeah, trying to say. You can see every sentence he's he's writing. It is it is absolutely amazing. I do have the illustrated version. Um, I read it first in just the text form, and then I saw this, and it's it's so beautifully illustrated. It's I don't know if it's coal, but um, paintings, drawings. Um, it's all black and white and very smushed, uh, smudged and messy mm -hmm. and dark, and it's just it is everything. So it's not scary in a horror sense, um, but if you have loved ones that you want to hang on to, it will terrify you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's scary as in how overwhelming feelings of grief and fear can be scary at that mm -hmm. moment when you look at yourself in the mirror and don't recognize who's looking back. That yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it is, agree. again, one I think that will stay with me forever. Mm. 
Yep. It's the experience of it all that I'm not gonna forget. I understand. I'll tell you about my last book. Yes. It's one that I read a long time ago. When, when did it come out? It came out in 2010. That's probably when I read it. So that's over 10 years ago. It feels like it, it's been longer, but you know. It is The Passage by Justin Cronin. Cronin? I don't know. Um, it's chunky book. It is. Yeah. It's almost a thousand pages. So, so it's a chunky one. And it's people. If I remember correctly, it is people um, experimenting with this sort of virus. Um, that sounds like a great idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there are like a certain amount of test subjects. Um, some live, some die. Uh, one of them is a little girl. She survives. She doesn't even appear to be really infected or anything. But of course, these beings, because the virus transforms them into something, I guess you could say like vampires, but more like beasts. Like they lose all of their humanity. And um, they get loose, of course. You know, that's how the story goes. And basically you get something along the lines of The Walking Dead. That's what I could compare it to. It's just not zombies, but like blood-sucking beasts that spread the virus. So there are like little bastions of humanity that remain. And they are desperately, desperately trying to find a cure. You know, that's where this little girl comes in again. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just people trying to survive and people trying to find a cure and, you know, vampire beast things roaming around these walled cities. I'm not sure if I did a good job at explaining that, <laughs> but that's basically what it is. Yeah, I, I just remember that while I was reading it. It felt very claustrophobic, mm -hmm. the way that if you've ever watched The Walking Dead, that can feel very claustrophobic, because mm -hmm. you're constantly being cornered, you're constantly like trying to survive, and trying to not get caught by these beings, whatever they are, if they are zombies or any something else. And I thought it was really well done, it also deals with like the decline of um, humanity and society. Mm -hmm. Seems to be a theme for you. Yeah, I kind of like those books. Like the dystopian books, but not in a... Not necessarily in a like Hunger Games kind of thing. Um, I don't know More if realistic you... of yeah. like our world as an outset and then how it crumbles. Mm -hmm. I see and how that's more terrifying. Yeah, how easily it can crumble. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever read Station Eleven. 
by mm. Emily and John Mandel. She does kind of the same thing. There's a virus and people die, and then you see the aftermath. But she mm. doesn't have any zombies or vampires. It's just mm. real life. Like um, right now, maybe not the topic for me to read. Yeah, I can't help it. I'm, I'm not that into reading about viruses that change our society right now, but I, I just I can find see it the appeal. fascinating. I really yeah. can. What perspectives do we get? Is different it from perspectives? Do we yeah. see the girl's perspective? Yeah. Yeah, you see where she comes from because she gets out of the test facility, test facility too. But not like the other ones who escape. Like she is almost safe and spends very many years like living in relative peace. Um, but then things happen and she, ha she has to like, go on the move too so that everything sort of comes together. There mm -hmm. are more um, like more books. I think this is a series, but I only read this one and really liked it. I haven't read the others. I don't even know how many there are, but I really like this one. I like the atmosphere. It's very dark and creepy and I don't know. It just sneaks up on you, I think. Like some bits are very calm and peaceful and then suddenly everything's on fire and you're like wait what, how <laughs> what, what happened and then there are like vampire beasts coming after you so you better run yeah it was very thrilling a very thrilling book like to be that chunky like to be almost a thousand pages mm -hmm. i don't remember it feeling like it took forever to read like it, there was a a good pacing, and things happened. And I just wanted to keep reading, so yeah, it was a good one. Although I read it all that time ago, so I remember. You know a lot still, so you remember a lot still. So yeah, it says so, yeah. a lot about the story. Those were my four. What's your last one? Wait, I have to... I just remembered this other book that I really liked, but I forgot what it's called. <laughs> Look at that. I am legend. I've never read the book. I have seen the movie. The book is really tiny. Um, so, quick side note that I just remembered. I loved the book I am legend, which is what they use as a basis for the movie, I think. It was written by... I don't know. It's pretty old. Richard Matheson. I've heard a lot about it. It's like it's on all of those lists. Yeah, when you talk about the end of the world and vampire stuff. Yeah, that because one it's like a sci-fi vampire book, and it's very small, it's very atmospheric, and it's really, really good. I just remembered. It's on my shelves. I should have put it on this tile, but I didn't. And it is that end-of-the-world vibe mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Sounds Mixed like something... with, like, mystical creatures or, like, you know, vampire-ish creatures. It's really good. You should give it a read. Um, but 
the last book I chose for this is uh, a classic. I went with Dracula by Bram Stoker. Mm. Um, the original Vampire Tale has many belief, but it's not actually. Um, there were books about vampires before Bram Stoker. Um, there was two that I know of, and I haven't read either of them. One is uh, Lady Caroline Lamb wrote it, and it's called Glenarvan, Glenarvan, something like that. It's from 1816. It's the first novel, apparently, that made notable use of a vampire figure. Even though it was never really said that it's a vampire, and it wasn't really about that figure, but... Um, but it follows it was like something. Yeah. It was suggested that it is vampiric somehow. And then the other one is from 1819, uh, a short story by John Polidori called The Vampire. I've not read that one either, but I it's do want scribe. to read it. It is? Yeah, I just put it on my I... list. Nice. I will actually read it soon. Then. Um, so yeah, it's not the original vampire tale, but it is the most famous vampire tale. Mm -hmm. Um, I read it a while ago, and I really, really loved it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think lots of people these days read it. I see a lot of, um, bookstagrammers or booktubers reading Dracula and then being extremely disappointed because they expect some sort of modern vampire story that is fast-paced and gruesome mm -hmm. with uh, blood-sucking monsters and Dracula is very much not that. Um, half the story is told in the form of letters of Jonathan Harker to his fiance Mina um, while he's like going Mina. to... I oh. love Mina. Oh no, She's I found so her to be so boring. <laughs> No, I loved her. Um, it's it's his letters to her while he's going to Transylvania in his function as a lawyer to meet this wealthy dude who's called Count Dracula. And him suddenly realizing that this dude is actually fucking creepy. Um, also, like, the wolf packs, the, the screaming at night. I do remember the wolf All packs. of that. It's so good. It's very eerie. It's very slow-paced. Like, bring patience if you want to read this book. Um, it is... It is really just creepy and eerie, not frightening in that sense. Um, the pace does pick up later on when we hear more about the girls who are used by the Dracula. And again, it's not, oh no, the vampire comes and kills me and drinks all my blood. No, he like creeps in while they're sleeping and then they wake up and they wonder why they're always tired and pale as hell. And then they faint because they don't have enough blood in their system. So their family members come in and give them sherry to revive their senses. And I'm like, yes, that sounds awesome. That's <laughs> definitely going to work. Better air because maybe that will help. And they don't realize for the longest time what is going on. And it, it is written beautifully. And it's... It's just really, really cool. And what I love, apart from the writing and the creepiness and the eeriness and the atmosphere, is actually Mina, which you absolutely disagree, but that's fine. Um, and the fact that Mina has merit as a person in the story. She is not just the female side character. She is 
an important character and she is loved by the main characters by his, uh, his her fiance Haraker as well as Helsing who comes in later to help them fight the, the, the vampire um, she is loved by them but she's also respected mm-hmm. by them and you can really tell when you read it and that is something that is not done often enough uh, these days at no. all back then mm. um, well, I it was have... written in 1897 so it took me by surprise that there is this much respect there for the female character mm-hmm. I have to say I read it when I was 15 and 16 Mm. Um, we talked about it in our English class and afterwards I went up to my teacher and I asked her if I could borrow her copy and uh, she was amazing and she said yes so I took it home and then I spent like six months reading this book because it's like old English yeah and that was my third year of English class so it's quite quite an uh, accomplishment to read it at that point very true yeah but I also believe that that took away from like part of the enjoyment as opposed to if I were to read it now having read I can smell a reread she's not excited I can't uh, but at some point I would like to reread it, not right now, but at some point, like maybe next year or something, I could put it on my list. Because I do, I remember the wolves, like I remember like little specific things. I also remember that I didn't like the letters, <laughs> but maybe... I you would... need to bring a certain amount of patience if you want to read this yeah. book. Like, you think... cannot go into it and expect a flashy vampire story because no, it, is, no, no, no. it is not at all flashy. Not it's in not the least Twilight. <laughs> no, it is absolutely nothing vampire that we have these days. No, um, it, it is follow... very much written in 1897. Yeah. No. It doesn't follow more modern storytelling rules. It no. just does its own thing. Yeah, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't dislike it. Mostly, I was just proud of myself that I managed to finish. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe as an adult, I'll get other things out of it. At some point. Not At this some year. point. We're not putting pressure on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was it. That was left. it. Those were our spooky, our favorite frightening reads again a good collection a wide a variety of yeah different kinds a little of bit for everybody mm-hmm. a um, little bit that's not for ellen <laughs> if you like spooky books let us know what your favorites are and yes, if you don't know which one we're missing out on and we yeah. should definitely go around to reading not this year though seriously our tbrs are like very um interesting already. i i am still 
fighting for spooky season to go up to December, so we've got November, you know, just saying. True. December is uh, holiday season for me, so I want to write, read all of the wintry tales. Um... Yes. Um, we'll have, have to, to make a recommend make... recommendation episode for the wintry tales. We'll have to do a winter holiday episode for sure. Yes. If there's anything else you would want to hear us talk about, or if you're looking for recommendations on a certain theme, let us know. Maybe we could do like specific episodes for like recommendations. That would be fun. Yes. Tell us. We'd love to talk about books. If you like books, either reading them or writing them or both, maybe, stick around and join us again in our next episodes where we'll talk more about our writing process because we are in fact writing a book together and where we'll just gush about the books that we've loved so far so if you're still looking for recommendations this is the place to be until then have a good day bye